Welcome to Seen and Heard in Edmonton, the podcast about bloggers and podcasters in the capital city of Alberta. I'm your host, Karen Unland, and joining me today is Tema Frank, author, internet pioneer, and creator of Frank Reactions, where she explores customer experience and customer service in the digital era. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, which commissions curiosity-driven stories about the city, powered by the community. And you'll hear more about that later in the show. So, hi, Tema. How do you describe what you do? Because it is multifaceted. (laughs) Yeah, it depends who I'm talking to. Um, But basically, what I do is try to help organizations figure out how they can profit from the digital era and primarily through improving their understanding of customers mm-hmm. and their customer experience mm-hmm. online and off. And this is something you have been doing for quite a long time. <laughs> it is. I uh, I was kind of um, one of those weird people who wasn't a baby but was already interested in the internet back in the 90s. So I actually put up my first website in 1995 and uh, to publicize the first book I had written. Right. Not that it accomplished much other than teaching me a bit about the web. (laughs) So yeah, and then in 2001, I founded Web Mystery Shoppers, which really did what we would now call omni-channel customer experience testing. So we would give detailed feedback on a client's website and what the experience was trying to use it, but also on if they had live chat, their phone service, if they wanted, we'd go into their stores or bank branches and give feedback, are we getting a consistent experience and is it a good one? And if not, how can you make it better? Right. So when you were doing this, I have the feeling that lots of people around you must have been saying, internet? What's the internet? <laughs> is that right? Oh, yeah. And and even when I started Web Mystery Shoppers, there were the attitude of most organizations was, we're doing really well if we have a website up. Why do we need to test to see if it's working well? Right, right. They just didn't get it. Mm-hmm. But you saw a reason to be on the internet and to to do it well. So why? What drew you there? Because you could have stayed in the analog world, especially somebody who writes books, especially who was somebody who works in banks, which is what you were doing before you did all this other stuff. So why? Why did you see the potential? I honestly was always excited by the potential of the internet to enable communications in so many ways and to make life easier in so many ways. I loved the fact that if I was researching a book, I could reach out to a professor anywhere in the world. Yeah. And they'd answer me. Yeah. (laughs) It was amazing. Um, I was even one of those weird people. I did my undergraduate degree at the University of Alberta, and this was in the late 70s. And we were the first business class that had to take a computers course. Oh. And all the other students were complaining about this. And I just thought, this is so cool. Yeah. So even though I never want to be a computer programmer, I do not have the temperament for that. I just love the, the potential of what it can do. Right. And always have. Well, prescient of you. So now, um, from web mystery shoppers to frank online marketing to frank reactions, right? (laughs) Yeah. Is that the trajectory? Pretty much, yep. Yeah. So a thing that interests me about frank reactions, which is kind of the home base for a lot of your work around customer service and customer experience, is, is you have a very active podcast. And so why did you choose audio? as your main medium of communications as opposed to like blogging about it? 
Well, I do blog. You do blog, and yes. I, and I love to write, but radio has always intrigued me as a format. And um, I have a face for radio, not for television. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, not true, yeah. but anyway. <laughs> and I, I mean, finally, what pushed me over the edge of giving it a try, I think, was there was a, I was living in France in 2011, 2012, and I wanted to go to a conference in Paris that was about, it was called Le Web, it's sort of their big this web is conference. This Loïc Lemaire's yes, big thing, yeah. Exactly. Wow, cool. And it was hideously expensive, so I tried to get press credentials, and they would only take them from legit press agencies. So I pitched a story idea to CBC Spark, oh. and they bought it. And so I was able to go, didn't cover my expenses, but it was it was such a thrill to be on that show, which I had loved for so long. Mm-hmm. And they were very flattering and told me that I had a great voice for radio, and I thought, okay, <laughs> I'm going to do this. <laughs> and so that was really what got me going on it. So I started I, that first podcast while I was still living in France. That is a very cool origin <laughs> story. So, um, But there must have been a reason that you wanted to keep doing it, that, that the podcast fed into your mission here. So how, how do you use the podcast? I use the podcast, well, hopefully as a way of reaching people who don't read as much. But also, from a purely selfish perspective, it's a great opportunity for me to talk to people who are doing the things that I want to learn more about. Mm-hmm. And so I've really used it very heavily that way. I mean, it's an interview-based podcast, all themed around things related to customer experience improvement. So it's it's a great opportunity. And also, again, being purely cynical here, it gets me into conferences free. <laughs> right. That's good. <laughs> well, free, but you're also helping them spread the word and Absolutely. spread the knowledge at the conference as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not free in that sense. And I, I'm, they do get their value out of it, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, you've recently published a book called People Shock. Mm-hmm. Tell me the tagline. People Shock, the path to profits when customers rule. Very dynamic and, and dramatic. Um, to what extent does your podcast, did your podcast feed into the content of that book? And to what extent is it the marketing, part of the marketing opportunity for the book? The podcast was huge in terms of a lot of the book's content came from the podcast. And in fact, I made a conscious decision partway through the podcast that I was going to refocus it completely on things that I wanted to learn about for the book. Um, My first two years of podcasting in 2012, 2013, that's when it was Frank Online Marketing. And then I was focusing not just on customer experience, but on Canadian companies that were selling online or trying mm-hmm. to do things online, mm-hmm. which was great, but it's a very small market. Right. And I was lucky enough that IBM sponsored me the first year very generously. But at the end of that year, they said, you know, we're just finding that Canadian companies aren't taking e-commerce seriously. Right. And so it doesn't make sense for us to continue. And so I continued on my own for a while. But as I say, I eventually, as I crystallized what I wanted the book to be about, I refocused so that all of the interviews fed into it. So that's an interesting shift of business model that happened because at first, well, I guess at the very first, the podcast was the way to get into Loeb. But then it was <laughs> a way to fulfill, like what paid for itself by, by fulfilling uh, a sponsor's needs. Yeah. And then 
you became your own sponsor essentially yeah Yeah, essentially which feels like almost a more likely way for it to work now with the podcasting space so much more crowded than even than it was when you started oh yeah for sure and I mean there's no way that I would get the kind of money that I did then yeah but it was just such a novel idea for them and I managed to pitch it in a way that made sense to them yeah but now they're all obsessed by you know the CPM and how many listeners do you have and and of course plenty of potential sponsors asked that right at the beginning and I at that point hadn't even launched the podcast Mm -hmm. and so I had to find somebody who was willing to take a leap of faith that this was a sensible thing to do and a good way to reach their prospects yeah yeah but it's interesting to now shift it towards finding your own prospects yes which is yes I think what I think what people who are interested in having a podcast related to their business should think about. Absolutely, um, the podcast if it if it is for business, it gives you not only a great opportunity to meet people, but also to help convey your message. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people. I, mean, I suspect there are a lot of podcast listeners also read quite widely online. But I think I'm not alone in that if I go work out or if I'm just my eyes are tired from staring at a screen and I'm lying down in bed, I want to be able to listen to podcasts. Yeah. And so I think it's a way to reach a bunch of other prospects that you wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. It's uh, hands-free, eyes-free is very powerful. Yes. Yeah. The thing that I do still find frustrating about it, though, is that a lot of my target customers are CEOs or other senior executives, many of whom are my age and older and haven't really figured out this podcast thing yet. Mm-hmm. You're always a little bit early, <laughs> hey? <laughs> yeah, I, I have been. That's sort of been characteristic my whole life. <laughs> I think I'd be a lot richer if I had timed things a bit better, but yeah. <laughs> Um, Now, one of the many other things that you do is you you are president of the board for LitFest, which is going to be uh, just started when this episode comes out. So why did you want to get involved with LitFest? Well, I've always in my life, I, I mean, I've always served on boards and I always try to have one cultural board and one business board. Right now, I've got a little bit more than that. But so I'd been actually had chaired the Brian Webb Dance Company Board of Directors for several years and then quit that when I was going to France for the year. And then when I came back, honestly, I've always loved books. And I just happened to meet someone else who was on the board and we got talking and she said, oh, my God, you'd be great to have on the board. And so that's how I got on. And and it's like that with, I think, a lot of small nonprofits. It's kind of a word of mouth thing. But I just love what it's doing, and I love seeing and listening to so much fabulous nonfiction. Nonfiction isn't the way it was when I was growing up, where it was all dull and dry and boring. Yeah. There's so much wonderful, exciting stuff out there that I love being part of it. Mm-hmm. And our, our festival is a great hybrid of bringing in interesting people from outside of Edmonton, but also kind of uplifting the local nonfiction writer market as well. Absolutely. And that's something that we've been very intentional about. And also part of what the local authors get out of it is they get to meet some of these superstars. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, our headliner is Neil Pasricha, who wrote The Book of Awesome and The Happiness Equation. And so, you know, normally speakers like that wouldn't be in a city like Edmonton because we're just not quite big enough. Yeah. 
You got to go to Le Web in Paris or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Where they'll pay you lots of money. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's next for you and Frank Reactions? Well, hopefully what's next for me is actually doing more speaking and more consulting. Mm. Um, that's really my focus now is trying to get the message out more widely and trying to work with more organizations to help them meet the challenges of customer experience in our current era. Right. So do you see Frank Reactions as almost shifting even towards lead generation in a different way once the sort of wave of people shock subsides? Um, the podcast, I, in some ways, but I think the podcast for me will always be um, curiosity driven. Mm -hmm. It will always be driven by my interest in the subject area. Mm -hmm. I'd never want it to become one of those things where it's all about, you know, buy my latest product. Right. I, I, I've come closer to that in the last few weeks than I ever have before, and I'm uncomfortable with it, but I have been pitching the book. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of hard to avoid, but I would not want that to be the permanent focus of the podcast. Right. Who's your ideal customer for consulting? My ideal customer for consulting is a mid-sized company that either they're finding that they've grown to the point where things just aren't working very well anymore, and they want to figure out how to deal with that or they're struggling I mean a lot of companies here are struggling because of the oil price mm -hmm. drop and they're looking for ways that they can profit without having to lower their prices without having to lay off staff and customer experience is a way that they can do that but they don't know how right Okay, hired Kemet to do that if that's you. <laughs> We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll hear about the local blogs or podcasts that Tema recommends. This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, a source of curiosity-driven stories about the city powered by the community. And I'm here with Anna Holtby, who wrote our second Taproot story, Making a Ripple Toward Reconciliation. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, so tell us, what's your story about? So my story was sparked by the question from a Taproot member, um, how can non-Indigenous Edmontonians better connect with our Indigenous neighbours to learn about their stories? So my story um, answers that question in a form of a person, which is Miranda Jimmy, and she co-founded Reconciliation in Solidarity Edmonton. <laughs> um, and uh, Miranda Jimmy answered this question really, really well and very eloquently. And so we kind of used her answer as the jumping off point for this story and uh, she answered in the way that she just kind of summarized that reconciliation is internal not external and she talked about how we have to question our own stereotypes and who we see ourselves as Canadians, whether we really are tolerant and understanding as we often identify, and um, thinking about how we treat Indigenous peoples and working through our own attitudes before we jump into what people would call the action parts of reconciliation. So meeting Indigenous peoples and going to cultural events or learning language, we have to first look at ourselves before we go out and do those things. So why did you want to participate in Taproot in the first place? I graduated from Carleton Journalism last year and then entered into the communications world as a professional and I missed that kind of creative journalistic outlet and it was exciting to get in on the ground floor of a new form of journalism and 
um, yeah, I was just really excited to get an opportunity to keep up my skills and hone them and learn from other uh, journalists in Edmonton. So, yeah. You can read Anna's story and watch the video that we made of Miranda Jimmy's words at taprootedmonton.ca and you'll find uh, also find information there about how to buy a membership so you can help us pay writers like Anna to answer more questions and put more stories like this into the world. And you can get your membership at taprootedmonton.ca. Okay, we're back. So what local independent media do you consume? Well, I wish I had time to consume a lot more of it than I do. So my number one source, of course, is your podcast, uh-huh. Thank you. <laughs> uh, which I enjoy for the interviews. But also, I love your recap of everybody else's podcasts oh, and, thank you. and do from time to time go and listen to some of them. Um, other than that, I, I love Yeg Mavens mm-hmm. uh, because it is about business and about women, which are two of my big interests. In fact, my next book is going to be an update of, of the book I'd written in the 90s on Canada's Best Employers for Women. That's right. So. I, that's a good connection. <laughs> so the podcast is called That's So Maven, but yegmavens.com oh, is their website. Sorry. And yeah, yeah. And they plant a, a seed in uh, in the minds of Andrea and Lauren that they should have you on to talk about your new book when it comes out. Absolutely. <laughs> that one's still a few months away. And, and I'm really fortunate there because... I had wanted to update that for years, but the Canadian market is just so small that mm-hmm. when you write a book specifically for the Canadian market, it's hard to earn back the money you've spent the time. Right. And I was approached by a brilliant young MBA student at University of Alberta who asked if she could work on some of the research for it for research credit. And we found a professor who was willing to go along with that. And then I got a second student this semester who's continuing the work. And so that's making it possible for me to do it. That's cool. It is very cool. Yeah. And you, I would add that um, your alma mater is helping you, but also you give service back because you're on the Senate as well. Do you yes, I'm on the University of Alberta Senate, which was kind of fun because I had been a rep on the Senate as a student. Wow. And so 30 years later, <laughs> came back as a grown-up rep. Yeah. So, uh, That's a good connection for the for the alumni in the audience. Absolutely. And uh, any other podcasts that you like? Oh, well, another one, and this one, ironically, I discovered from my daughter who's living in Toronto now, oh. but it's called Science for the People. And it's an attempt to try and get people popularized, thinking about science and trying to make it accessible. My daughter's in third year neuro, or fourth year neuroscience, so... She appreciated the accessibility, but and she still sort of uses me as her testing board. If she can explain what she's learned in terms I'll understand, yeah. she knows she's somewhere. <laughs> but I, I love what they're doing. I think there is such a need for more understanding of science and mm-hmm. more critical thought in our society today that I think it's wonderful what they're doing. And it's uh, they're really good at it, too. I think that showed uh, grew out of CJSR and now has its life on it, on its own as a podcast. And yeah, Desiree and Rochelle do a great job. Mm-hmm. My last question for you is what advice you would have for someone who wants to connect a podcast to their business goals somehow? Well, I would say think about how the podcast could actually help with your business goals. If you're using it, for instance, to promote a, let's say you've got a coffee shop or a business of some sort like that, you your podcast focus should be on something that will be of interest to that audience. So it may not be about running a business. It may be about 
here's cool stuff that I've learned about grinding coffee Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. So think in terms of what would add value for your potential customers and what would they be interested in, even if it's sort of a tangent. So, you know, maybe your, your coffee drinkers might also be interested in great bakeries in town or something like something that's related yeah and so think very much from your and this is true with everything I say think from your audience perspective what is your customer looking for what will add value to their lives and if you can do that then your podcast will really help promote your business I would say that if you listen to Tama's show, you will soak up that audience-centered uh, way of thinking, and that would make you uh, better at what you do. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. <laughs> thank you so much for talking to me today. Uh, you can subscribe to Frank Reactions in iTunes and Stitcher and other places where podcasts are. You can find Tema on Twitter at Tema Frank, T-E-M-A-F-R-A-N-K, and Frank Reactions is on Facebook. People Shock is available through Amazon and at finer bookstores. Yes, in Edmonton, it's available at Audrey's as well. Excellent. Hooray for Audrey's. <laughs> and uh, LitFest is on now. You can find tickets and information at litfestalberta.org. Runs October 13th to 23rd. Perfect. These links and Tema's recommendations will be in the show notes at seenandheardyeg.com. And if you subscribe to my newsletter at seenandheardyeg.com, you'll get complete coverage of Edmonton's blogs and podcasts. Thanks for listening.